0: Hey, it's Jackie. Chelsea and I recorded this episode before the IATSE strike vote, and we just want to say that we support their 65,000 members' demand for safer working conditions, more reasonable hours, and fairer wages. Without film crews, the movies and shows that we love and talk about on this podcast would not exist. We hope that IATSE's efforts will lead to necessary change and a better film industry for its workers. Now, on with the show.
1: And welcome to another episode of Film Spill, a movie night podcast with your hosts Chelsea and Jackie. Film Spill, if you don't already know, is a podcast that comes out every other
0: Thursday.
1: And we talk about a movie by a female filmmaker every episode.
0: We also discuss women in the entertainment industry in general and we play slumber party games, spill entertainment gossip and get to know each other and our guests. But this week, it's just me and Chelsea. And today, we're going to be talking about The Matrix, directed by Lily and Lana Wachowski.
1: But first, it's time for Guess the Movie
0: Quote. I'm excited for this game. I don't know if I'll be able to get them all, but um, we'll see. These are some pretty iconic quotes, I think, so.
1: Yeah, I think I think you you got these. I tried to make it, you know, an even game for Mm -hmm. you (laughs) to have some tricky ones in there. I can't go too easy.
0: Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I don't want you to. Mm -hmm. Um, But I appreciate the confidence.
1: (laughs) So the first quote is, may the force be with
0: you. It's got to be Star Wars, but I don't know which of the Star Wars because I'm not a huge Star Wars person. I would just credit the first, because I feel like that's a continuous quote, right?
1: I don't know which one. I don't, I get so confused by the orders as is.
0: Yeah. Hold on, let me Google. Okay. A New Hope, I guess, was the first movie, released in 1977, which is episode four.
1: All right, next one I know that you're definitely gonna get. Definitely gonna get. This one has to be a no-brainer there's no place like home the wizard of oz yay
0: yeah of course love that yeah. movie like it's a classic you gotta know mm-hmm. the classics i feel like everybody i mean i don't know everybody but like even if you haven't seen that movie which you definitely should see it you know what that quotes from yeah maybe so
1: good even though the like when they get into this character like the scarecrow and stuff they look so weird they kind of yeah, scare me.
0: it's really scary. Like the flying monkeys. My mom always hated the flying monkeys. <laughs> she said she was really scared of them.
1: Yeah, I'm just not a costume type of person. Sometimes when they look like freaking creepy, it's too real. I'm like, oh no.
0: Because it's all, you know, none of it's like CGI, right? All of it's like practical effects. Because it was filmed in like the 30s. It just looks it's. <laughs> it's in an uncanny valley for me
1: <laughs> i wouldn't like putting that on my resume <laughs> wizard of oz flying monkey you're like yeah i was in the wizard
0: of oz <laughs> oh, who'd you play I was a flying monkey
1: no big deal so the
0: quote is it's alive it's alive <laughs> i haven't seen this movie but is it frankenstein
1: it is frankenstein it's a really good film actually i had to watch it for um i took a horror film class and i had to watch it it was good
0: yeah i definitely should see that movie i feel like it's you know like you said so iconic
1: next one this one i was excited for (laughs) i wanted to see how good i could actually like say this line (laughs) i'll be back
0: (laughs) the terminator
1: yay okay i can't i don't have that deep of a voice i guess oh be fucked like no it doesn't sound good i can't do (laughs) it (laughs) next one my mama always said life was like a box of chocolates you never know what you're gonna get forest cup yeah oh my god
0: jackie you got
1: these
0: i mean there's like a couple toward the bottom that i'm looking at that i'm like "Mm, i don't know but we'll see
1: Houston we have a problem
0: okay this one I don't know what the number is I'm so dumb it's either Apollo 11 or Apollo 13 it's Apollo 13 okay yeah because yeah, you good, okay. you got it <laughs> I don't know my history
1: <laughs> has Tom Hanks in it he's always in like such historic movies
0: What's that other one he
1: was in? Let me look, click on Tom Hanks.
0: Oh, Savoring Private Ryan. Yeah, he's so good. That's why. Yeah, they're like, he's he can do it. Like, put him in any era. He's got it. (laughs) I
1: know. He can pull up any era. Here's looking at you, kid.
0: This was one of the ones that I was like, I know people say it all the time, and I know it's like a thing. but like i have i don't know once i tell you you're gonna be like ah rats
1: can i get a hint we just talked about it last week i was like blank and then blank
0: oh. um <laughs> it's casa oh Casablanca. i have seen yeah. this movie but wow okay I just remember like we'll always have Paris that's the quote from that movie that I think of when I think of that movie that's another good one
1: you're gonna need a bigger boat it's from Jaws
0: yes yeah
1: keep your friends close but your enemies closer
0: this is another one that I'm just like again have heard people say it a million times I actually didn't know that was from a movie. Like, I just thought it was, like, a saying. I thought so, too.
1: Maybe they put it in a movie for a saying. But I'm pretty yeah. sure this is The Godfather
0: before I look it up, I oh, think. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is The Godfather. Mm, okay. um, yeah, I mean, I have seen that movie, too. I don't remember that line in that movie.
1: There's too many of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. But um, I do remember in the first Godfather movie... Leave the gun, take the cannoli. That's what I love. Oh. <laughs> I love cannolis. Ugh. Ugh. I could go for one right now. Me fucking too. Like, <laughs> me just thinking of it. I'm like, sweet old cannoli. <laughs> the crunchy shell and then the sweet, creamy inside. And, then and the, the little
1: chocolate chips with the powdered yeah, sugar.
0: Chocolate chips, maybe some pistachios crumbled up. Mm-hmm. Maybe some orange zest on there. Oh, you're getting fancy, Jackie. <laughs> you know, <a> broken <laughs> dream.
1: <laughs> okay, next one is "Just Keep Swimming."
0: This is from Finding Nemo. Yay, Dory. Yeah, Dory. Good old Dory. For a second, I almost said Finding Dory, but then she probably <laughs> says that in her movie as well but yeah Yeah, i think so originally finding nemo
1: originally finding nemo all right next one i am your father
0: (laughs) that's another star wars one right but i don't know which which one of those films he says that in
1: i think it's the fifth one
0: okay so the go back to my cheat sheet the second one that was released the empire strikes back
1: Okay, the next one I had to look up I've never watched the movie but I I mean I've heard this quote everyone says it okay so the quote is you talking to me
0: <laughs> okay
1: are you my... talking to me <laughs>
0: <laughs> my guess is taxi driver it is okay good damn that was good so you have watched it no no okay but I know it's Robert De Niro Yeah, I should see Taxi Driver. Everybody talks about that movie.
1: Next one. We're close to the final three. Okay, so As If.
0: Clueless.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: We got to talk about that movie because it was directed by a woman. Yes, we do.
1: Maybe we'll do that sometime in the next couple of weeks. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be fun. Cool. Let's see if you get this one. Nobody puts baby in a corner.
0: Is this Dirty Dancing? <laughs> yeah. Damn. I haven't seen it also, but I just again, it's one of those movies where it's just in the in the zeitgeist, you know. It's in the water.
1: Yeah, that was like one of my favorites growing up watching. Was Dirty Dancing. And the next one is You're Killing Me Smalls.
0: Okay my guess is and this is probably totally wrong but the sandlot no it's right really yeah it's the sandlot oh because I like I remember seeing this is so stupid <laughs> I remember like going to target and seeing like this shirt that said you're killing me smalls that they had and I was like what is that like I've heard people say that before. What is that thing? I Googled it and I was like, okay, The Sandlot. I just like put that in the back of my brain. But again, <laughs> haven't seen the movie. It's a classic. I know. Definitely I know. have to
1: watch The Sandlot. That's another one on your list. I'll make, a, I'm going to start making you a list, Jackie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Stand by me. <laughs> the Sandlot. Yeah. yeah. What else?
1: Dirty Dancing. Oh
0: yes. Dirty Dancing.
1: All right, well, that comes to the conclusion of, guess, the
0: movie quote. I got, like, two and a half wrong, right? Yeah. Out of... 16. That's, like, an A. An A. Yeah, I mean, I won't settle for anything less.
1: So, as we mentioned before, we're going to be talking about The Matrix, 1999. This film is available to watch on HBO Max. With, of course, a subscription if you want to pay $14.99 a month, you know. Honestly, HBO Max is the shit, but it's also available on YouTube and Amazon Prime.
0: Yes, to rent.
1: To rent. So they everything costs fucking money nowadays, so.
0: I know. Can't get anything for free. <laughs> Although maybe, you know what? If you went to your library, they would probably have The Matrix on DVD. I would guess. So, you know, if you want to do that. Check your local libraries. This conversation
1: will contain spoilers of the film. So if you want to pause the podcast and go watch The Matrix before you listen to this part of the segment, feel free to do so. Do you want to get into the initial thoughts of Matrix and how you felt about it? I know you said you have watched
0: it before. No, I haven't seen it before. Oh okay, so this was both our first times. Yeah, yeah, we're both Matrix Virgins. or we were. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really liked it. I'd never seen it before. I just like it's one of those movies like that some of the movies we talked about in those quotes, you know, where it's like a cultural touchstone. like people reference it all the time. It's referenced like it's influenced other films. And also, like, in conversation, you know, people just bring it up. I feel like that whole, like, dodging the bullets thing has, like, we've seen that a million times now because of The Matrix. And I just felt like we had to watch it and talk about it because it's just a really iconic and fun action movie. And I'm glad that I've seen it now. Yeah, it was. It was a lot better than
1: I anticipated it to be. Not that I didn't anticipate it to be good. It's just I credit it for so much that it has done, you know, and like why it is such a great movie and what they were able to do with like special effect wise. And I learned that the directors Lily and Lana—I I don't know if both of them or one or the other—sacrificed their pay to pay the special effects people more. For the movie to come out better.
0: Oh wow. That's something you don't hear every day. No, Not at all. (laughs) They really believed in it.
1: Yeah. No they did. So and you can tell like there's so much attention to detail in this film. It was amazing how much effort was put into it. And how like everything just like flowed well together.
0: Yeah I think... Like one of the, I mean, along with all the special effects and action and stuff, like one of the best, one of the Matrix best attributes is like the world building. The idea that, you know, we're in a simulation now is so cliche, but I feel like this movie, not like invented it, but it definitely popularized it and like made it something that was at the back of our minds all the time. Back of our minds. Ooh, like those little things that are yeah. In.
1: <laughs> Do you want to go into the synopsis of the movie? Yeah, sure.
0: Neo Keanu Reeves believes that Morpheus Lawrence Fishburne, an elusive figure considered to be the most dangerous man alive, can answer his question, what is the Matrix? Neo is contacted by Trinity, Carrie Ann Moss, a beautiful stranger who leads him into an underworld where he meets Morpheus. They fight a brutal battle for their lives against a cadre of viciously intelligent secret agents. It is a truth that could cost Neo something more precious than his life. And that's from Rotten Tomatoes. But yeah, we can talk some about the directors and writers of the film, Lana and Lily Wachowski. Lana and Lily are sisters. Lana is a couple years older than Lily, and since the release of the Matrix trilogy, they have both come out as trans women. So that's just like an interesting sort of thing to think about in the background, and we can get a little bit into that later. Um, There has been some talk about The Matrix sort of serving as an allegory for being trans or transitioning. The Wachowski sisters wrote and directed The Matrix together. And they have worked as a writing and directing team throughout their careers.
1: They are known for The Matrix trilogy, of course. Bound. V for Vendetta. Speed Racer 2008 live action adaptation of the anime series Cloud Atlas Jupiter Ascending and the Netflix series Sense8 which is actually a really good series I haven't finished the first season but um, I'm working on it
0: I haven't seen it yet but I've heard good things about it I'd like to like to watch it I know a lot of like queer people are very excited about Sense8 because I assume there's a lot of queer characters
1: yes because the Wachowski sisters representing since the series finale of Sense eight the wachowskis have been working on separate projects lily is writing and executive producing the series works in progress on
0: showtime i don't really know why the wachowskis decided to you know creatively part ways for the moment i assume there's no bad blood or anything but just you know want to work on your individual things i feel it But yeah, there's a new Matrix movie that's coming out this December called The Matrix Resurrections, and that will be directed by Lana Wachowski. The Wachowskis are from Chicago, and their dad was of Polish descent, hence Wachowski, a very Polish last name. And... Oh, I loved this. I was reading about this. So Lana and Lily were both theater kids in school. And um, former classmates of theirs have said they played Dungeons and Dragons. And I just as a former theater kid who likes to play Dungeons and Dragons, it's just really that made me really happy.
1: <laughs> I never played Dungeons and Dragons.
0: It's so fun. I feel like you really like it. Like everybody's like, oh, it's so like, nerdy or so goofy or whatever but like it's literally I mean I loved and still love but just haven't done it for a while like improv um oh I love improv yeah and I also like you know storytelling and like creating fantastical characters and worlds and it's just like kind of a structured improv with your friends you know yeah it's just great and like (laughs) you know it can lead to you writing something like The Matrix.
1: That's probably what happened here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is nice. So Lana and Lily wrote several issues for the Marvel comics in the mid-90s. Ecto Kid and Clive Barker's Hellraiser and Nightbreed before writing and directing films together.
0: Yeah, which like I feel like I can see, you know, a comic book influence in the Matrix. I mean and they talk about being inspired by Japanese animation and martial arts movies. So like that's also there. But I just think um like if The Matrix was a comic book series, you know, that's
1: that'd be cool. I could see that. I could see that too. That'd be cool. Maybe they should create like an animation.
0: Well there were um the Animatrix. My boyfriend was telling me about this. So like after the Matrix was released They did this by other filmmakers, I think. They made like, I think they're animated shorts that take place in the Matrix universe. That's cool. Yeah,
1: I mean, the Matrix
0: world seems like
1: badass.
0: The other two movies both came out in 2003. What? Yeah, I was like, I thought they would be like a year or two apart at least. They both came out in 2003, The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix Revolutions. That's weird. Maybe because
1: both of them were working on writing and directing so they banged out these two. It's true. The Wachowskis were inspired by Japanese animation and martial arts movies when choreographing the action scenes in the film. They used a technique called wirefu. A subgenre of Kung Fu moves where the stuntman's or actor's skill is augmented with the use of wires and pulleys. That's so funny. Because I guess they pull them back.
0: Yeah, they like can flip them around and stuff. Like it just um it makes you be able to do stuff that like looks superhuman. But yeah, that technique was really popular or is really popular in Hong Kong action cinema. And um its use in The Matrix popularized the technique in America and it has now been used in many Hollywood action films. So another thing where The Matrix was sort of groundbreaking.
1: The budget was 63 million. The film premiered in the US on March 31st 1999 and grossed over 460 million at the worldwide box office. It was relatively well received especially for its action special effects, and sound design, but some critics were disappointed by the story, particularly the third act. The Matrix also won four Oscars for Best Visual Effects, Best Film Editing, Best Sound, and Best Sound Editing. Many considered it to be one of the best sci-fi films of all time.
0: Do you think it's one of the best sci-fi films of all time? of
1: its time for sure still today I mean the enhancements of technology and visual effects now are completely different so like I know that the movie that's going to be coming out soon if the special effects were that top notch back in 1999 I have a feeling that it's going to be like crazy so I'm like really excited to see like what they can do with it now
0: that's true, yeah, with all the advancements that we've had since then. I mean, I am not, like, a huge sci-fi person. I don't, like, cover anything against the genre. I just feel like I'm not super well-versed in it. But, like, I would say, like, it seems like this movie was very revolutionary, I guess, in what it, what it did and, like, the story that it told and very influential. And it looks super cool and, like, it's a very fun film. So I would say... You know in my book it's one of the best sci-fi movies i've ever seen
1: so already in the beginning of the film we see this action scene with the agents in trinity with her getting hunted down and it was just so action-packed with her being such a badass and that was a great way to start off the film because you know it was going to be very action-packed there was going to be a lot of excitement like you're already questioning like why is she getting hunted down like what's going on and that makes you want to engage in the film even more because you're starting to ask these questions from the very
0: beginning. Yeah and then she goes in the phone booth and she disappears. You're like how does that work? Like what happened there? I feel like that first scene does a really good job of like just you know throwing us in like en media res as um, the film scholars would say. (laughs) Just kind of immersing us in the world right away and definitely like you said giving us a taste of like what this movie's gonna be like going forward Mm -hmm. and trinity is hot
1: (laughs) yeah she's such like uh like such a great representation for like female dominance like we're badasses too and that's like the first person that you see kick some ass is her you know
0: i was a little bit disappointed that like She had to be the love interest for Neo, because, like, I don't really feel like that was even really all that necessary and, like, really not that established, and then just at the end, they kind of threw it in there. I could kind of tell, like, she had a crush on him or whatever, but I just didn't, I didn't feel like we needed that. I feel like that's so tropey and, like, classic action movie, and I think, like, I didn't really need that from this movie for me to like it, you know, like, it made me like it less.
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, there's always a guy and a girl relationship when an action movie comes to life, right? You haven't seen a gay couple yet on screen that like it's an action-packed film until I think Batwoman with Ruby... Ruby Rose
0: or not? Ruby Rose, yeah, yeah, yeah. So something I learned while researching, which like literally just reading the Wikipedia page, the film sort of popularized this thing called bullet time it's like a visual effect and here's how they describe it because I don't know if I could like describe it myself so it's a visual effect in which the heightened perception of certain characters is represented by allowing the action within a shot to progress in slow motion while the camera appears to move through the scene at normal speed allowing the sped up movements of certain characters to be perceived normally. So like that's just a mind fuck, but um, <laughs> you know, another visual effect thing along with Wire Fu with this movie popularized in the US. There were some really iconic shots that I feel like even having not seen the film before, I had seen just in popular culture, like in memes and stuff, like Neo dodging the bullets, Neo's reflection in Morpheus' glasses at the beginning when he's like deciding to take the red pill. And that that's was what so I was talking cool. to you about, how everything I'm was like, so like, That's what planned. I was wondering, how did they do that I shot? didn't know
1: what to expect next. Like it was just orchestrated perfectly. There had to have been a storyboard drawn out to give some sort of image as to what you're going to be seeing. So it was just interesting because now I'm like curious as to like how they shot each scene.
0: There's like a lot of mirror imagery in this film. I think it's also in that scene where he's trying to figure out which pill he wants to take or whatever. There's a mirror in the room that's shattered and then it it fixes itself and... I don't remember there's other other mirrors as well. But like I guess, you know, the whole like it's a simulation and it's a mirror reality. Oh that's cool.
1: Yeah, I didn't even think about
0: it like that, but that makes sense. But something that I noticed too is that in scenes that take place in the Matrix, and I think this was done like maybe to help the audience somewhat so they wouldn't get confused, but like the lighting when they're in the matrix is very green kind of like the matrix's code you know that like neon green color and then scenes in the real world have a much like colder blue light Mm -hmm. almost like twilight not quite as blue as (laughs) twilight
1: (laughs) yeah it was definitely like a moody type of feel it was pretty dark throughout the whole film but they did a great job by doing the tint like it wasn't just so vibrant of a green but it was like this like really good green that was, like, distinguishable.
0: I really loved the production design. The look was just really cohesive. It was, like, this grungy kind of cyberpunk vibe. And I also just liked it's very, like, late 90s, and that's always fun to see all the tech that they had. Like, when they're on the ship and they're, like, watching what Neo and Morpheus are seeing in their heads, like the kung fu scene and all that, like... It's so um, pixelated on that little monitor. I just always love visions of the future from the past, if that makes any sense. Like, you know, in the 60s, the kind of aesthetic that's kind of like the Jetsons. It's like retro-futuristic. I always love just seeing how different time periods envision the future. And, like, it's funny to me that even though I guess, like, they say, you know, in the movie that humanity supposedly peaked in 1999, which, like, did it? Yeah, probably. Um, (laughs) But uh, the idea that still technology, especially for people outside the Matrix, hasn't advanced any further in 100 years is just funny. But, like, they also couldn't envision, because you can't envision what future technology is going to look like if you haven't seen it, you know?
1: Hey, it could be anything. We just get so caught up on what's that new invention out there and what can it do for us? Like, there's so much out there that I have yet to hear about.
0: But I feel like, I don't know, do you really need to touch screen on everything? These are the questions for the 21st century.
1: I know. Hey, maybe at this point they want to do everything like touch screen, like face operated, like because they want to know us. They want to know who we are.
0: AI. They're coming, they want to harvest our energy.
1: Very true. It's the Matrix, it's trying to tell us something. It's probably been trying to tell us something.
0: Oh, yeah. I think that because this movie came out in 1999, especially, I think in some ways it represents a fear that people had of like the technological advancements that would come along with the turn of the millennium. So, like, you know, there was a lot of fear. About um, Y2K and like how that was gonna destroy everything because the all the, like the computers weren't gonna recognize the and we're gonna switch to the right year they were gonna think it was 1900 not 2000 and like that didn't happen but I think there was a fear of like reliance on technology and like a fear that technology is out of our control. Or, like, we've created something that has the power to, like, outsmart and dominate us. So I think, like, that is captured in this film as well. Plot-wise, what the movie does best is, like, getting us to see this crazy world that the Wachowskis have dreamt up through Neo's eyes. I'm perfectly fine with, you know, if there's great world-building, like most of the film just being them explaining to us what it is and then i sort of noticed that neo's journey follows the hero's journey story structure pretty closely they always do a love
1: story like love
0: love conquers all love is what solves the problem right like i guess you know in screenwriting terms or whatever trinity is kind of like although i don't Would it be Trinity or would it be Morpheus? That's Neo's stakes character. That's an interesting little thought exercise for any of you screenwriters listening. But I was just, I was following the the movie. I was like, I was with them. You know, I was like, okay, Wachowski's like, I feel you. I'm vibing. We're in this, like, it's a simulation and we're going in and out and we're trying to stop the AI and like, I was there. But then the ending, like, you know, Neo dying then being resurrected through Trinity's love, like, I just didn't, it just felt like a little bit of a cop-out or like a deus ex machina, you know, where like, I didn't really feel like it was super earned. And I think like, had Neo and Trinity's relationship been more established, like, had we gotten really a sense that they really did love each other, I might have been more willing to go along with that with what really? happened at the end but like because that wasn't really there it was a little bit of a letdown
1: well i thought that he was gonna overcome it by himself like without needing that whole like relationship to save him you know because i thought like the teaching from morpheus that he got was that he could outlive anything like it didn't matter what came his way he would break The logic that he was actually being attacked. In reality, he had to create the idea that everything that was being thrown at him wasn't going to actually kill him.
0: Like, there is no spoon, right? Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, like, I wanted the ending to follow the internal logic of the movie and of the world because, like, it had up until this point, you know?
1: Maybe they're hopeless romantics. Maybe the Wachowski sisters are like,
0: No, we need to have some romance in there. But then, like, give me love before. You know what I mean? Give me, even if they don't say they're in love, like, give me a relationship between Neo and Trinity that I really am invested in.
1: I know, that was part, that part was a little cheesy, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, whatever, like, it's fine. That's, like, my only issue with the plot, I would say. Like, my biggest, biggest note to the Wachowskis, as if... (laughs)
1: <laughs> I know. So did any dialogue stand out to you?
0: I think the only stuff that really stood out to me were some of Morpheus's lines. Where, like, you know, if you saw this movie when you were 13, your mind would be blown. <laughs> mm-hmm. But to me, he just sounded like a philosophy professor. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, what is real? How do you define real? Or, like... I can only show you the door you're the one that has to walk through it like that kind of that kind of shit it's just edgy philosophical <laughs> questions
1: yeah no that's what I liked about it of how he like delivered it because I mean it did make you feel like okay like yeah they're giving me some like teachings or something like that like that's kind of how I felt like I was getting like a Buddhist teacher
0: If I was still in school and I was in a philosophy class, like I would write a paper about the matrix and Mm -hmm. like compare it to different, like compare it to Kant and compare it to like different philosophers' perspectives and see kind of how it lines up or like sort of what philosophical school like it falls into. So if you guys are in school, (laughs) feel free to take that idea and um, give me credit for your A, you know? Yeah, I
1: know. Do you want to go into talking about any themes that stood out to you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, like we were saying, like there's a lot of philosophical themes in this, like whether free will exists or whether fate exists, you know, rejecting groupthink and like being an individual. What did you think of the philosophical themes? I was always wondering, because they
1: wrote this, do they themselves have any philosophical beliefs? Like, do they actually, do they have these conversations with each other? I mean, that's why they incorporated in the script because like faith, they're, they're being chance and people not believing in that everything happens for a reason. And I never had that conversation with someone that was opposed to that belief that everything happens for a reason because I mean, everyone says it all the time, right? I'm like, but don't you think that like, we all have like our purpose and I guess some people don't think that like we all have a purpose that we're just here to be here but I've always felt like there is a purpose that everything does happen for a reason and that it is mind over matter and that your mind has more power than you give it credit for
0: yeah that's probably true I mean I am pretty agnostic so like I don't really think that we can necessarily know, like if there is some higher power or some higher purpose. I think if people, like if it helps them to think that and they're like not hurting anyone because of that, then like go for it. But I personally like can't really say with any confidence that we're here for any particular reason, or that anything happens for any particular reason. And I think, like, there is some power in that, like, just make the most of what you have. Or, like, maybe there is no underlying reason. So, like, you create your reason, you know? Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, I think the movie, like, it just poses a lot of questions, and it doesn't give a lot of like concrete answers in terms of is there such a thing as fate because the Oracle she tells Neo that he isn't the chosen one but then it turns out that he probably is or it's like but is he or is it just he needs to be so he is you know what I mean yeah there was a thing that the Oracle said with the flower the vase of flowers because he comes in and she says, Oh, don't worry about the vase. And then he's like, What? And then he knocks over the vase. And then she's like, But you know what's really gonna like freak your bean <laughs> or whatever it is? Would you have done that had I not said anything about it? You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really think the movie comes down really hard in any kind of, with any kind of philosophical message necessarily. It just poses a lot of questions. Which I kind of appreciate because, like, I don't know if it would be as interesting if it had, like, a solid message. Yeah.
1: It's different. I was uh, seeing here in the 2020 interview with Lily Wachowski that the director said that neither she nor Lana were even really out to themselves at the time that they created The Matrix. And it was truly a trans metaphor because she had mentioned Switch which I learned that was supposed to be a man in the real world and then a woman in the matrix. And that ended up Mm -hmm. not being the case. I think switch was just a man and didn't actually transform Mm -hmm. into a woman in the matrix. Right.
0: I don't know. Switch was very, um, androgynous. I think I didn't really put any kind of, I didn't really think about switch that much because they're kind of a minor character, but like, I don't really remember, like, gendering a switch in my mind. Like, I think I was just kind of, like, a person. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But, like, that also is kind of, like, revolutionary in itself, you know, to be, like, this character doesn't have a particular gender that, like, you can super identify.
1: Yeah. And that was, like, the first time in, like, the 1990s that that was really being scene because I feel like everyone's put into these genders into these gender roles especially movies back in the day
0: yeah for the for the late 90s that's like pretty crazy to have a movie that I mean it doesn't sound like maybe necessarily that was like the witch housey's intention like we're gonna write a movie about what it is to be trans because they themselves didn't even necessarily identify that way yet But, like, that was definitely sort of a, I think, a subconscious, like, allegory that came up, you know? Because sometimes you'll write something and you won't realize, like, why you're writing it or, or what the significance is. And then maybe years later you look back on it and you're like, oh, I was working through some shit. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I just thought thinking about Neo's experience as an allegory for like someone realizing they're trans or at least like they don't fit society's expectations for like their gender. And like the matrix as like a metaphor for the gender binary or like people adhering to certain identities and roles that like have been established for them. Mm -hmm. And like Neo and Morpheus and Trinity have sort of woken up and realized like this is bullshit and it's not real Mm -hmm. and we can break free of it which is really powerful because that's what i think a lot of people are realizing now and like it's all just a construct right and so if it's a construct it can be deconstructed
1: Mm -hmm. that you're not always in something you can always get yourself out of something
0: yeah like you don't have to just because like you were assigned female or assigned male at birth like that doesn't have to be your identity. Like that's not what you're beholden to or whatever for the rest of your life. Like if that's not what you feel is correct. Cause like you are you and you get to say (laughs) who you are, you know?
1: You get to be whoever you want to be.
0: Exactly, Barbie girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Lily said that even before she had confirmed that it was a trans allegory, trans people would come up to her and thank her for making the movie and say like it meant a lot to them and like this movie saved their life and lily said that was really touching for her and like that she was really grateful that she could help them along with their journey and like realizing who they are and embracing it mm. Yeah, and
1: and a lot of directors and writers don't realize how much their movies help other people in the beginning because, I mean, they haven't received any of the feedback yet. So once they start receiving the feedback, they're like, wow, like, who would have known? Like, who would have known that this movie could be so impactful?
0: Yeah, that's true. To write something and not even realize exactly what you mean by it and have the audience, like, get something really meaningful out of it And then to turn around and look back on it and be like, oh, yeah, that actually... Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, like that actually is reflective of my life too. Like, that's just crazy.
1: No, it is really powerful. And especially that, you know, they've been able to come out to really be who they want to be and be true to themselves. They seem like they're excelling and they're being spokespeople I would love to like get to know more about you know what they have to say I didn't get to watch any interviews with them um, I usually like doing that but I didn't get a chance to this time to see what they had to say about the film so I'll dive in deeper later on.
0: Yeah and maybe we can talk about V for Vendetta or something. Yeah I'm with it. I think that that about does it for our conversation on The Matrix and for our episode. Thank you all for listening. This has been Film Spill, a movie night podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest all are at filmspillpod. Tell a friend about the podcast if you liked it and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts because that will help other people find Film Spill too. You can support the
1: podcast at Film Spill Pod on PayPal. Special thanks to Onyx Films for promoting us. You can check out other Onyx projects at onyx-films.com. The editing and cover art are done by Jackie. And until next time, don't cry over a spill film.